0: Canucks Central Thursday, it's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah coming to you live from the Kintec Footwear Studio as we're getting ready for the Young Stars Tournament, but there was bigger news today, bigger Canucks news than maybe JT Miller signing a seven-year extension of $56 million. Mm Mm-hmm. Bigger than Captain Bo Horvat, whenever he does happen to get an extension or get moved or not, whatever the outcome happens to be. Bigger news than that, the Canucks just announced that they will be uh, bringing in a pup. The Canucks pup. The Canucks have a pup. That sounds like an angry pup. No, that's that's a that's a happy pup. It's a happy pup. That, that's okay. Okay. It's excited. It's excited. I excited. Barking excitedly. I'm... I I don't know if I've ever seen Sat more happy than he is in this moment. Right <laughs> I now.
1: I am so giddy. The the Canucks finally have. I mean, this is this is what we've been waiting for for such a long time. I mean, this is how you welcome yourself into the new age. Yeah, having a dog, <laughs> a team dog, is the best way to move forward as an organization. You know what it shows? It shows the Canucks have figured it out. <laughs> when your relationship is on solid footing. And and things are going well, right? And like you know, your investments are looking better, and you're more situated and stable. You know, you have Grandpa Boudreau as the head coach as well, who loves dogs. I I think the time was right. You know, the Canucks have matured, and they're at a point where they can they can actually raise a puppy as a team and as an organization.
0: (laughs) 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 Okay, this is definitely a puff.
1: Right, (laughs) that's a (laughs) puff. Um, but yeah, so just so everybody knows the Canucks are partnering with BC guide dogs yeah. to sponsor a litter of their puppies and they're raising one service dog this season. So uh, that's what's happening.
0: So yeah, not only uh, are the Canucks bringing in a, in a pup, it's, uh, gonna, you know, part of a good cause and obviously, uh, gonna help grow some, uh, some service dogs to help around the community as well. Yeah. Um, so like, wait, are you correlating like the Canucks finally bringing in a pup to this front office, like getting it right? Just, no, I mean, it's, it's,
1: <laughs> they're getting it. They're figuring it out. You know, okay. the organization, uh, you, they, they have a more stable front office situation right now. Yeah. You know, everything is kind of figured out. There is, it's not as much helter-skelter. There's more organization. And anybody who raises dogs knows you need to be organized to raise a dog properly mm-hmm. and take care of your dog.
0: Uh, so uh, ranking the Canucks offseason moves. Number one. Number one, Number the Canucks one. pup.
1: No doubt. Without a question. There's nothing the Canucks can do that's going to top this. Nothing.
0: Yeah. JT Miller, new contract. No, may- maybe, a you... maybe a distant second to, to bringing in a pup. I don't care
1: if you trade for Connor McDavid. <laughs> You're not beating this news today.
0: Now, um, that I, I might not agree with. <laughs> I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. And I, uh, I like dogs as much as the next guy. Uh, the question will be like: Will the Canucks pup be in the Canucks dog race mm. at some point later this year? That uh, yeah. that much that much we don't know yet.
1: Yeah, might might be too young for that. <laughs> might have to kind of you know learn on the sidelines and watch, <laughs> and uh, and you know watch his fellow colleagues get yeah. after it, and maybe one day the Canucks pup can also race. The dog race.
0: Uh, this hour of Canucks Central is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. Chris Higgins is going to join us, assistant director of player development with the Canucks organization as they get ready for the Young Stars tournament. It's um, it's back after a couple of years, right? And that alone in and of itself is a story. Everybody loves this event, and rookie tournaments around the league sort of signal the start of a new NHL season. So that's uh, what's happening this week weekend in Penticton. Joining us now, Chris Higgins, Assistant Director of Player Development with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, thanks for this, Chris. How are you doing?
2: Very good. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, how, how's it up there in Penticton so far?
2: Uh, it's a little smoky. We just got done with our uh, first practice, but uh, everyone's in good spirits. We're uh, ready to start the season
0: it's it's one of those things you know uh this tournament uh it was missed over the last couple of years and and having rookie tournaments it just kind of it does signal the start of a new year right it's just like okay time to get back to work right
2: well for me personally i why uh, this is my fourth year with the organization in in this role and uh it's my first time having the tournament and so i've been listening you know the past three years listening to how fun this tournament was and obviously with covid we couldn't do it but uh Uh, Excited to be here and um, excited to be around the guys once again.
1: Well, and you know, as far as the players go too, it's an opportunity to start working closely with them. And you guys have added to the prospect pool this season. What is it like getting on the ice with some of those guys, especially after what you saw during development camp as well? What do you What do you make of the group you guys have up in Penticton this year?
2: It's it's a lot of fun getting on the ice with them. You know, a lot of you know it's hard to during the season. You're kind of watching from from above or watching video. And uh, you know, with development camp and this rookie tournament, we get on the ice with them and. You know, I can rub shoulders with them and, and you know, showing some things, um, you know, personally that I've learned. Uh, he was able to do that today. And, you know, I take great joy at, a, at doing stuff like that because, uh, you know, a lot of these kids are so eager to learn and, and some of them have some great great potential. So, um, you know, just uh, just a pleasure, you know, every time to, to share, the, share the ice with those guys. Uh, as far as the staff goes, uh, just great feelings all around, you know, built up the development staff. Hank and Danny are out there today. On the ice with these guys, and uh, you know, passing them pucks, it must be must be an unreal experience for these kids uh, to to you know receive a pass from Henrik Sedin. Like it's uh, must must blow their mind. You know, Michael Samuelson, Mike Komisarek was out there, Ryan Johnson. um, You know, a lot of lot of uh, a lot of eyes watching them. A lot of uh, a lot of brains to uh, to, to help these kids out.
0: Well, you mentioned a lot of the the new development team, uh, the Sedin's, of course, Mike Komisarek, Michael Samuelson come in as well. Um. How how is the team coming together and, and uh, building out this this new vision of how the Canucks as an organization want to build their young players?
2: Well, I just think the you know the collaboration from you know for you know, for RJ and I it was just kind of me and him the last couple of years and mm-hmm. um, you know Mike uh, Commissary and defenseman sees the game a little differently. Michael Samson played a little different style than I did. Obviously, Hank and Danny played their own style and have their own um, you know wisdom to. to, to to uh give these give these kids so you know if they can take little bits and pieces from all of us we all did different things well so we're all we we, we all learned to play to our strengths i was you know if you're making the nhl you, you learn how to play to your strengths and we we're trying to pass our strengths on on to on to these kids well and you
1: know as far as how robust that department is now i mean as a player and you mentioned you know what it was like the last few years here but is this maybe the most robust team you've seen tackle player development from your time being in the nhl
2: i i hope so and and you know and having discussions with uh, with our group like we want to be a pillar of the organization we really, really want you know when when management looks looks over the organization that we're that we're the strongest or among the strongest parts of parts of the organization that's our goal we want to you know we really really want to make our uh, our impact on the organization how
0: is it uh you know getting to uh be hands-on this weekend with with some of the players like what what goes into it for for you and and what this weekend means to to be able to have this opportunity and uh even thinking back to development camp as well
2: well you know we got a lot of we got we got you know our our draft to process we also got some invites and uh you know guys get to try to try to get to know in, in, a, in mm-hmm. a quick time frame uh you know we had practice today and everyone was in good spirits and excited for the game, a game tomorrow. Um, yeah. Like I said, for us, it's, it's, you know, what, what, you know, we try to put ourselves back in, you know, we're almost essentially talking to ourselves We're talking to ourselves as 18 year olds. We, we, you know, we had, a, we share a lot of the same fears anxieties as these, these kids. Um, you know, what did we learn? What did I, you know, for me personally, what did I learn in my first two years in, in Hamilton, Ontario playing for the Bulldogs? Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 had to, I left college and, had to change my game, and 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 you know, in what ways did I have to change my game? I, you know, I have to articulate that to, to 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 these to these prospects, and hopefully, it sinks in, and hopefully, um, you know, they they have success uh, at the AHL level this year.
1: Well, and as far as the specific players in this year's group, it's a it's a pretty varied group. You have the younger guys that you know they're first time in this. You have some free agency guys signed. You have some draft picks that are kind of coming in. And you know, I want to start things off kind of asking you uh, about a player who last year spent uh, his first season with the K- a- AHL, and that was Danila Klimovich. What have you seen from him through the summer, and now getting ready for the prospects tournament? That that might be encouraging for his sophomore year in the AHL this upcoming season.
2: Well, he stuck around all summer, and his English got a lot. A lot better and he just seems more comfortable and, and I, I can't imagine being in his his shoes coming over as an 18 year old not speaking the language um uh everything's new i mean tremendous burden off the ice that that he had to carry with him all year and it's it's you know that's not lost on on uh on us in the in in management like we we understand that it was going to be you know a pretty <laughs> pretty uh long year for him being being one of the youngest guys in the league and and uh not really speaking english but uh seems just a little bit more confident this year and more receptive to um what we're trying to teach him and obviously he probably understands <laughs> a little bit more of what we're saying right. which, which helps uh but um you know i think for him is uh, he hopefully gets off on the right foot gain some confidence uh get some points early um, and then kind of rounds out his game you know learns to use his teammates more move his feet more you know he's, he's, he's blessed with um you know a great size how does he use that how does he use that more um you know there's a whole lot of things he still needs to to learn but um you know obviously the the raw package is 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 undeniable
0: Chris Higgins our guest here on uh, on Canuck Central uh Nils Amin is a player that that seems to be uh getting uh some some love here at least uh it seems to be a standout so far what are your first impressions
2: well i you know after development camp um uh for nils uh i, I always i always uh you know I, I called a bunch of the guys after after camp and just kind of wanted to debrief how the camp went and i always ask um you know the players who, who you know who who stood out for you who did you like to play with because you know they're on the ice um, you know, they, they see things a little bit differently than we do. So I always try to ask those guys and, and Nils was, uh, was one guy that came up quite a bit among, among our prospects. So, um, guys want to play with them. Um, you know, he's, he plays a mature game, obviously he played in the, in the SHL. So he's, he's a little bit more well-rounded than a lot of the guys here. And, um, you know, it, it, it shows on the ice
1: well and you know and then the other swedish player who comes with more fanfare because he had a big breakout season in in the shl uh is is uh, linus carlson and you know he's one of those guys that you went from being a checking centerman to now he's been a big time goal scorer what do you make of his game so far and and maybe how much potential he may have in a few different roles as time goes on
2: you know i give linus a lot of credit he um probably our most improved prospect over since 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 i joined um the skating has come a long way he's really really worked on his game he's got an amazing attitude he's a humble hard-working kid um to see his game improve so much over the last couple years it's 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 just really (laughs) you know this is like the this is the gratification we take from from the job is is to watch a kid grow like that um you know had a great year um he's gonna have to you know he's gonna he's he's going to have to learn how to play in the North American style a little bit more. Um, You know, the smaller rink. he's going to get pressure points that that he's not used to. He's going to have, you know, he's, he's going to have some things to learn in the AHL early on, but um, uh, great brain. I mean, his shot is a high NHL level already. Um, You know, it's just the pace of play that, that'll, um, that'll get used to.
0: It's, uh, you hear that a lot, pace of play. Um, Sometimes a lot, like, well, a lot of times for, for prospects, it's, uh, being in a a big time role wherever they're playing elsewhere and, and how do they adapt uh when when they come into the organization and whatever role they might be given from from the outset how difficult can that be on a young player
2: well in, in Linus' case I don't I don't I, I think you know he's he's an intelligent kid and he's a hard working kid and he's humble so I, I I think you know he'll he'll have to learn some hard lessons but I think he will learn them and I think he will learn them quickly um I think he'll you know you know next summer he's going to have a really good idea what he needs to work on to, to come back for for the following season so this is this is going to be a big learning experience for him this year um and we'll see you know he's going to be given opportunities uh early in the year to to showcase his talents and uh we hope he makes the most of them
1: you know, one player that I wanted to ask you about as well is, and a player who's kind of like I've heard there are those in the organization who've been impressed with kind of how he's come along, and and that's Tristan Nielsen, who played 41 games last season, but showed well during development camp as well. How is he coming along with the amount of work he's putting into his game?
2: Uh, his his game improved tremendously over the course of the year. You know, I remember watching the beginning of the year, and um, you know, I didn't think he was very good, and then towards the end of the year, his game just it's just improved rapidly. And then, you know, he came in for, um, you know, development camp, this, this, uh, this tournament. Um, and he's just, you know, he's, he's got a little bit more of that swagger now. And I think he he realizes that he he can make an impact on the game and, um, you know, seems a little bit more assertive in, in his plays and he's aggressive. Like you said, he's a good kid, you know, he's a popular teammate. So, um, you know, I think we're looking for uh, for another for another step for him this year.
0: Well,
1: and as far as between the pipes uh, is concerned, uh, Artur Silovs, we know how, how high you guys are on him and how hard he's worked, especially with the goalie guys. But Ty Young is somebody you guys drafted this past year. And I got to say, some of the goalie guys I spoke to who saw him in development camp were really impressed with his athleticism and his technical prowess already at that age. Uh, what do you guys make of his mindset and, and how he's showing so far?
2: Well, I think he's in a good spot with uh, with Ian Clark, obviously, yeah. and, and you know having Th- Thatcher Demko in the organization, and and even Artie uh, Lobs who has a tremendous work ethic. So just just to have him around those guys, I mean, it, it's going to rub off. He's got, uh, you know, he's got the he's got the look like as far as being dialed in and and taking the game seriously, and and um, you know being competitive. So. Um, you know, he, he's in a really good, strong spot, probably stronger than most, uh, having, you know, uh, Demmer in the organization, obviously Dean Clark. So, um, you know, he's he's got to be happy where he's at.
0: Hey, Chris, uh, always appreciate the time. Uh, have a great weekend. Thanks for this.
2: Awesome, guys. Thank you so much. Uh,
0: there is Chris Higgins, Assistant Director of Player Development with the Vancouver Canucks. Some uh, interesting thoughts on a lot of uh, specific prospects mm-hmm. to play this weekend for the Vancouver Canucks in the Young Stars Tournament. And just how much, and it's really a big storyline of the new front office. On the ice, sure, you can discuss uh, the moves of Mikhaev and re-signing yeah. JT Miller, and we've done that all summer. But, you know, they spent, uh, Jim Rutherford spent a large part of his first six months on the job building out this hockey ops department, and the dev- the player development side was a major, major part of that.
1: You know, to me, one of the most exciting things this organization did was what you just outlined. It, it was putting so much money into player development with resources and also having more people involved in doing so. And a lot of the work that is happening right now, you're not going to see the fruits of it for a few years, you know, in yeah. many years. That's where you see the benefits of the developmental programs. You don't see it right away. But uh, the thing that stood out to me so much from what Chris Higgins had to say was the amount of pride he had in the role. And how driven he and the department is to be great at what they do and be one of the most imp- one of the strongest parts of the organization. And I think that type of mindset is really exciting. If you're a Canucks fan, you hear a, a, a person who played for the team but is part of the developmental staff who's talking about how they want this to be one of the strongest parts of the organization. And they're really motivated and they have the ambition to make this a real uh, benefit for this team. That type of a mindset and an attitude is what you need in an organization. Then being competitive is not competitive with, hey, we want to be, you know, better than the pro side or, or be better than you know any other department or whatever. But they want to be yeah. really good at what they do, and I think that's important. I think that's the mindset they're trying to have in the organization.
0: Ultimately, it uh, comes down to the players, the work they put in, yeah. and, and how they develop their game. But yes, having specific uh, player development messages coming to these players. He talked about Linus Carlson and how impressed they've been with how far he's come along. Now you have Samuelson working with players in Europe through the course of the season. You have Commissarek that's -hmm. going to be working with certain players uh, across the U.S. It's a much beefier staff than RJ and Chris Higgins were handling a lot of this stuff. The last couple of years you add Scott Young into that uh, on on even the scouting right. side of things I mean it, it it has gone a long way has come a long way but it needs to be there because well one they weren't developing enough players period um, prior to this so they're changing their mindset on how to do it but they also they don't have a ton of like real high-end prospects to work with sat so You know, trying to find where these guys' ceilings are and building them into being whatever it is it looks like for them to be an NHL player, helping them get there, that's what this department is all about.
1: Yeah, I mean, even if you're not going to be able to turn these guys into stars, how many can you turn into credible NHL players? Yeah. Or guys who can play for you a little bit here and there. I mean, we get so caught up in the star players and the higher-end players, and yeah, they're super important as well, but it's also important to have players that can play for you in case of injury, who understand the organization, understand how you're playing, and over time can maybe grow into being part players, but can be a call-up options for you. You saw that's what Pittsburgh did for many years with many other guys, right? They got called up a bit, they played a bit, and over the years, those guys grew into the lineup. And that way, you also spend less money by going and getting veterans, guys develop properly, they take their time, and also help you incrementally as time goes on. And it's like we've been talking about all week. How do you make everything incrementally better for your organization? Yep. How do you make marginal improvements? Get everywhere? the extra 2%. That's what you need to do everywhere. You yep. know, it's, it, And if you do enough of those things, well, if your roster is not, not strong enough necessarily, well, all those things add up and, and help you at least keep your head above water.
0: So with that being said, um, the Canucks prospect pool isn't as bright as some others around the league. But where are they at? Who are the top guys? The top five Canucks prospects let's kind of go through this process right now, sat. I think it's fairly easy to that we'll, we'll both have Jonathan Leromaromaki at number one on our list is it? Is do you have any uh, disputes there or no
1: I mean I mean somebody could make the case for Rathbone, I suppose
0: yes, a couple of uh, point per game AHL seasons and his age twenty one and twenty two seasons that's nothing to scoff at.
1: that would be the only other player you could make any sort of an argument for.
0: Uh, But Rathbone is probably number two. Lekoramaki and Rathbone are one and two on pretty much every list. Then I think is where it starts to maybe get interesting. Top five Canucks prospects, Lekoramaki, Rathbone, one and two. Who's at number three?
1: Here is where it's to me. It's like there's a group of about four players, five players that I find essentially in the same tier, and they include Ryan McDonough. Danila Klimovich, Jonathan Myrenberg, Lucas Forsell. You can throw in Carlson and Elias Pedersen, the defenseman. Interesting. Into that conversation.
0: You went a lot farther in this tier than I thought you would. So that's
1: kind of, and that's when I look at it. And it's like, okay, well, you can be a bit higher on guys like Carlson who had a big year in the SHL, but a little bit older. And if you look at some of the traits in his game, he, can, he maybe plays in the NHL at some point, but what is the ultimate ceiling? So I'm doing this based on ceiling of players. So for three for me, I would still put Aiden McDonough as a Canucks third best prospect.
0: Wow, that's... I mean, I see it, but it still seems high to me for Aiden McDonough.
1: I mean, who are we putting him over? Klimovic? Yeah, and Klimovic has promise, and there's a lot of good traits to his game. And its it's hard to gauge because he played so little last year. But I've made the case that you should actually be encouraged by what he could provide next season. Yeah. But we haven't seen any glimpse of what his upside might be yet.
0: Not he's an senior. 18-year-old playing in the AHL, but we didn't see it. I mean,
1: I- I'm I'm with you, but like, show me a flash where I can say, okay, you know what? Yeah. I feel good about saying you're you're ahead of these other guys. But again, like same tier. Like I'm talking about, he's in the same tier as these other guys we're talking about here. I just I feel like I've seen a bit more, or at least there's some more these guys did this year. Plus, they have similar ceilings. Yeah. that I feel good about their games.
0: I, I think the hands, the ability to get a-, a great shot off, is is there. I think the shot can even get better for Klimovich. But his game is just so raw. Like, he doesn't – we just heard Chris Higgins talk about it. You yeah. know, he needs to use his teammates more. He's got to round out his game. Like, just very, very raw player. Very hard to build that as an 18-year-old coming over into the AHL. I think this is a huge year for Danilo Klimovich. I would still put him at number 3 Sats got Linus Carlson there. No, I'm, uh, I have McDonough. Uh, sorry, McDonough. Aiden yes. McDonough at, at number three. Uh, Linus Carlson number four, then?
1: <laughs> uh, no. I do not. Linus Carlson. Spoiler alert. Does not make my top five. So uh, I don't have Linus Carlson there. Uh, I'm going off the board here at number four a little bit. Going with Jonathan Myrenberg, righty defenseman who I've been talking up quite a bit. Okay, this over feels the past like right
0: months. shot D that the Canucks really need to turn out. And yeah, he, and but he's you're pumping well. his tires to to put him in the top five
1: because he's played well in the SHL this year. And we, we spoke about him, didn't we? Speak about this a few months ago. Like about four you, months you ago, you talked five about Forsell
0: and, and Myronberg in the spring as being better prospects than anybody's giving them credit for.
1: And did I not say you can probably make the case there should be top five prospects, prospects for this team?
0: At the time, you did. Yes. yes.
1: So now, when it comes to decision time, and I have to put my money where, where my mouth is, at least when it comes to us talking about it on radio and here, um, yeah, I put Myronberg there at number number four because not only does he have a lot of the tools. Yeah, He acquitted himself very well and does project to be a really strong two-way type of new-age defenseman. And that type of a player who's already showing that maturity, there's a good reason to believe he's going to play NHL games for you. And playing that on the right side, if he ha- and he shows some potential to be a really good steady player in that regard, I think that's a really high quality, and I think that's a higher quality asset than people would generally give credit for.
0: The promise of Meyron is big. And, hey, the organization would love to see this player continue to develop, but simply, like, you don't even have to watch a ton of him to know that there is promise there. Just look at what he's done in the ASL, SHL, and the age that he is, and you can tell that there's an interesting player there. So I will say that much, but I do have Linus Carlson as my number four prospect. The goal scoring is intriguing, already has a very mature two-way game, you know he's not going to play half wall in the NHL like mm-hmm. he is in the SHL, so I I kind of wonder how that's going to translate and if he'll be able to score when he eventually does get to the AHL here and if he does get some NHL looks. But there's a, a already a well rounded game, just needs to increase the pace a little bit to have some NHL potential. I think that's that's the biggest mm-hmm. that's the biggest speed bump he has right now towards becoming an nhl over the next couple of years. Uh, final name on your list.
1: Lucas Forsell comes in at number five for me.
0: Lucas Forsell.
1: Yeah, and you can say a lot of similar things about Klimovic in terms of potential and all that sort of stuff. One thing Forsell showed this year was a lot of flash. Yeah. And when you show, show some flash, you play in a Swedish uh, SHL as well. And you equate yourself fine, getting six points in 30 games, scored four goals. But when you play in a lower level, he lit it up. He showed a lot of flash this year. He showed some dynamic ability. And that's what I want to see here. When we're sitting here and talking about these prospects, I want to see some baseline production that's encouraging, but I want to see some flash. I want to see a little bit of pop to your game. That's that's why I'm a bit higher on these guys right now. And I look at Forcell's ultimate upside. He, if he hits, he's going to be a top six type of scorer for you. If he hits. If he doesn't hit, it won't happen. Now, I I remember I spoke to a talent evaluator in Sweden who said, kind of poor man's Jesper Bratt is the type of game that he has, which is promising. Now, I'm not saying he's going to turn out to be that type of
0: player. I like Jesper Bratt a lot.
1: Yeah, and you know he's a seventh-round pick only a couple years ago, so I think that's the main reason why he doesn't quite get viewed as maybe having a bit more pedigree, because I think if you look at his past year, and you look at what Klimovich did and what he did, what Linus Carlson and those guys did, and look at his age and all that sort of stuff. I think there's a lot of reason why you should be really excited about Lucas Forsell's ultimate upside.
0: Surprised you have him in the top five. Uh, although, again, from an age standpoint, what he's accomplished to this point, there's promise there. Uh, I'll have Aiden McDonough round out my top five. It's... Um, my my list is more of the chalk sat went a little bit off the board. Yeah,
1: I'm going up and listen, I'm, I'm going with guys that like I mentioned have the potential to become impact players for you. That's not to say Klimovich can't become that or whatever, yeah. but that's why I like Myrenberg and Forsell a lot cuz Myrenberg if he pans out can be a steady, solid, two-way top four defenseman on the right side and those guys are so hard to find. And Forsell, speedy dynamic scorer. Who you drafted in the seventh round has a little pop to his game, can supplement you in a couple of years if he keeps developing this way. I mean, those are t- the types of players this team doesn't really have outside of like Karamaki. And that's why Elias Patterson to me is also interesting, although he's a lefty, is because very similar to a Myrenberg, maybe a bit more physical, but new age 2A defender.
0: Uh, this text from a live listener, Bo, Swedish <laughs> bias from Sat. Color me surprised.
1: Yeah. I mean Jeff Rill, I mean I wasn't gonna say it yeah, right, it's, but it's you there Jeff Rill said uh Marienberg, ahead of Yermo. Yurmo, a lot of tools. Hasn't put it together I, enough for me to it. I can watch Yermo about. skate all day. I know. A but, lot of tools. Um, I haven't seen enough of it come together for me to be as encouraged. Yet.
0: Uh we'll talk a little bit more about this as uh, Canuck Central rolls on. Up next, Justin Bourne, Sportsnet's very own, is gonna join us next on Canuck Central. Canuck Central coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited as well. Your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. We'll get back in on uh, some of the Canucks prospects, but... Uh, It's September, so we get to uh, connect with some of our uh, many colleagues around Sportsnet that are back for the upcoming season, and that includes Justin Bourne. Kipper and Bourne on uh, Sportsnet 5.9 of the Fan in Toronto. You see him on a lot of the Hockey Central broadcasts through the course of the season. What's happening, Bourne? Not much. Not much. How's things going? Uh, Pretty good. How was the golf game over the summer? Pretty good? Not so good? it's fine,
3: you know, it's nice things, you get older, kids, you play less, you blame things, you just, I'm worse than I was, what do you want me to say about that?
1: <laughs> so, were were you, were you better relative to the people you went out and played with, though, or?
3: I, now, in fairness, generally, yes, but I used to be <laughs> quite good, I used to be quite good, so it's like, I'm that guy you hate to play with because I complain and I'm still okay it's like a, I'm not happy. No one around me happy. I'm just not fun to golf with anymore. Oh,
0: great! So you're like out there yelling f bombs and still shooting a 78. Okay, that's great. The
3: the good thing <laughs> is uh, I have no expectations anymore, so I don't get mad. I just I'm no longer good enough to be mad, and that takes some of the edge off. It's helpful.
0: Uh, it's it's awesome. So uh, good good to be back. Uh, you know, uh, summer is yeah. always uh, always interesting and. It's been a weird summer here in in Vancouver. You know, we kind of expected a lot of change, and at least on the ice, that really hasn't happened. They bring in Mikhaev. You've got the wild card of Andre Kuzmenko, Curtis Lazar, you know, a couple of uh, smaller moves, but the the core has remained intact. There hasn't been the big trade that we all thought might happen with Jim Rutherford coming to town. What do you make of the uh, Canucks
3: offseason? Uh, yeah, I guess you're a little bit hamstrung with salary cap uh, situation, you know, not able to do too much. They they did make the ad that you, you mentioned there in, in Mikheyev, which is something, I, you know, I am of the belief, and I think a lot of people are, that, you know, there are still a lot of good players in Vancouver. Like, it's not it's, it's not a bad hockey team. So mm-hmm. I get why there's no complete, like, gutting going on. But, yeah, they're they're definitely in this kind of awkward zone now where it's like, okay, they're not bad but they're not really up there with like the contenders. So what's it going to be and how do you get, you know, how do you take a step ahead right now? And I don't think that they answered any questions so far.
1: Well, I mean, it was one of those things we are just going to have to find out. And, you know, just kind of going back in the offseason a bit, one player, the biggest addition that they made was Ilya Mikheyev, who played for the Leafs last year, had a really good season. And, you know, getting beyond the contract, because now it is what it is and everything, but when it comes to the type of impact he can have on a team and how he can help a squad that was lacking that two-way speed and that type of intelligence that he brings, and based on everything you saw from him in Toronto, what type of impact can he have on the overall team performance, do you think?
3: He really makes a big difference uh, on the penalty kill as much as anything, but I, his biggest strength is just setting other teams on their heels with his speed. And, um, you know, whoever he plays with, the D has to back off a little bit because he is so fast and he does really get after it. You know, I think there's a lot of things that you like about him where his work ethic is so consistent. Um, you know, he's kind of willing to do whatever it takes and play different roles. I feel like, you know, now that he's kind of earned his money, I, I, it's always felt to me like he was a step away from putting up better offensive num- numbers. If you could just calm down a little bit, like sometimes he'd get it and he just go, 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 shoot it, get it to the net. And there's this element of like, OK, you're in the NHL now. You've got a, a nice contract. You get years of experience. You know, there is still upside on this guy because he does create so many chances. So I, he's, he's a nice player for the Canucks.
0: You think he's got more offense in him then?
3: you know, not a ton because last year he had a pretty decent run shooting percentage, but there is more there. I do think so. You know, I I wouldn't expect much more, but I think what he is, you know, his the best that he's put out in, in Toronto is very feasible, you know, and he can surpass it. So um, again, one of those things for me where slowing it down a little bit is going to be a good thing for him. There, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see him come out and, still be a little bit you know uh rushed at times in the early going but he'll get comfortable he's got a real contract there and i think the canucks are a type of team that are going to give him lots of opportunity i think you'll get the best of them you, you
0: touched on something earlier that um I, I think is essentially the conversation in vancouver right now it's like yeah okay you can keep miller and and do a lot of these things and you're still a good hockey team but you're not really a contender and Oftentimes it's like, okay, well, what's what's the alternative? Do you do you just you mm-hmm. know trade a bunch of guys and get a bunch of first round picks? Like, what what's the alternative? Like, yes, you don't want to be in the murky middle, but you also don't want to be, or the Canucks aren't really in a position to be really bad because they have Thatcher Demko, Quinn Hughes, and Elias Patterson as well. Yeah,
3: and I got full respect for a team trying to win. You know, okay, so you're going into the league, the season without a roster that some people think is the best, well, okay, we'll go out there and let's see, let's see if the chemistry can work. You know, Bruce Boudreau's there. Um, you know, there are lots of talented pieces. You have a guy who I think is, you know, among the favorites to be a Vesna contender next year. You never know. It's not like that Pacific division is, you know, ungettable or anything is, you know, unstoppable. I, I do feel like I, too often now, you know, Brian Burke used to say on hockey central and I worked with him for a little bit that, you know, you either ought to be going one or two directions and doing it quickly. You're either getting better quick or you're getting worse quick. And I don't know that that's right. Is that what we want? You want 10 teams trying to suck every year? Like, I don't want that. So I'm happy to see the Canucks say, listen, we got enough good players to win some hockey games. We get on a roll. We get a couple of breaks. You never know. It's hockey. You know, stranger things have happened.
1: Well, and you know the biggest question for this team obviously is how much can he get out of that defense outside of Quinn Hughes, and one of the things they're going to experiment with is playing him on the right side. And you know, I, I have a lot of thoughts of that on that because as a lefty defenseman playing the right side, who's as offensively gifted as he is, it opens things up even more potentially offensively, breaking out of his own zone, poses some challenges potentially defensively for him, but if you can get a little bit more out of Quinn Hughes, you can solve another issue on the right side with him doing what he can do on the opposite side. How much of a boost do you think
3: that can be to the back end? Well, you know, I I definitely think it can be a boost. There's, there's so much talent in Quinn Hughes that I I don't think it's uh, beyond him to be asked to take on a new role and and really thrive in a different opportunity. And if that makes, uh, you know, puts other guys in a position to succeed, that's great. That's, that's what your best players are supposed to do is, you know, make life easier on the roster around them. That's why the Leafs are built the way they are. They say we're going to give a bunch of guys, you know, or a few guys a bunch of money, and, you know, their job is to make it easier on everyone else. And I think, you know, Hughes showing that he'll be able to do that, and I really expect that he will be able to, is exactly that. You've got a couple of guys in Vancouver that you're going to lean on, and he's certainly one of them, and obviously a talented enough guy to do it.
0: How much, how much harder is it for a defenseman to play on their offhand?
3: Uh, you know, it depends who you ask. So you, you talk to, like, Mike Babcock and a lot of the, you know, Hockey Canada had it really beaten into it for a long time that, you know, you, you had to have these left-right pairs. And some guys just don't mind it as much. And I think you see so many talented guys now who can make a pass on their backhand or pick up mm-hmm. a, a rimmed puck up on their backhand. I, I just think that there's the, the game is evolving in a way that it's getting these guys are better and they can make plays on their offhand. And I think it's become more of an option Then uh, you know it's become like a hard and fast rule that you don't put guys on their on their off sides, except for a handful of guys. And I think that'll change. You'll see more guys being more comfortable, being able to make plays from those spots. So uh, it's manageable. Say. Not for me, because I'm not good enough, but
1: for some people. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I'm, I think of Quinn Hughes. I mean, him being able to pick up a rim puck on his backhand, probably more likely to be able to do so than some of the other players on the team, considering his skill set. But, you know, you mentioned the Pacific Division doesn't look like a murderer's role, really. And the team that was most active was the Calgary Flames. and It's really easy to look at the Flames and say, man, you know, this team improved and look at all the stuff that they did. But when you start going through all their moves and the players they replaced, even though they
3: were super busy...
1: What do you make of the mix in Calgary right now?
3: Well, it's tough to say. You know, I think quietly, one of the things you heard about the Flames in the past is that you weren't sure about the dressing room. Like, Kachuk, I think, could be a hard guy sometimes. And, you know, Gaudreau is, you know, not always at his best and needs the odd spur from Cowboy Daryl Sutter there. So, you know, it, it is interesting to see them take another chance, you know, another crack with a different mix of guys. It's funny being in Toronto... And seeing Florida and Calgary, both of them who were at the top of their divisions last year, fall short and go, "Oh my God! Like we just need to do something different." And then you see Toronto being like, "We're going to do the complete opposite," <laughs> you know. <laughs> so and I, I don't know what the what the answer is. I admire these guys for trying, though. Uh, you can't say that their general managers aren't eager to get them over the hump.
0: So uh, I, I'm I'm selling shares of the Vegas Golden Knights already. Like I, I oh great I, I, I think. Like we're just banking on them being great again, but I'm looking at the roster, Justin, and it's like a lot of question marks in goal. They lost Pat Turetti and Dadanov. Like, where's that offense coming from on this roster? It's just like, oh, I guess Jack Eichel's going to be awesome again, and that's going to make up for everything. I don't know if I'm ready to make that bet.
3: No, I was a Vegas seller going into last year. I wasn't a huge fan of that uh that mix and certainly it's tough to see how they got better. You know, they they did everything they could to get every good player available in the market. And you see how much it has cost them. And you see just now it kind of feels like it's unraveling in a way that's going to hurt them uh, for years to come. There's so much pressure on Jack Eichel. You know, they, they moved heaven and earth to to get him. And, you know, if he's just good, they're in trouble. They need him to be like a heart trophy candidate for them to to be, you know, for that trade to be justified and for them to be where they want to be. So you're right. We'll see if they can get the goaltending. We'll see how good Eichel is in a full season in Vegas. Um, It's not going to be good for Jack Eichel's reputation if all of a sudden Vegas gets Mm -hmm. bad when he's, you know, kind of at the core of it after his Buffalo run. You know, the team in the Pacific
1: I'm most conflicted uh, with, Justin, is the LA Kings. And on the surface, Mm -hmm. you're like, had 100 points last year, a surprise, played really well, and they added Kevin Fiala to the mix. But I'm just not sure they can replicate the year they had last season. Am I wrong in, in questioning that, even though they improved?
3: You know, I saw an interesting conversation uh, on the Kings between Cam Sharon on Twitter today and uh, Zachary Schneider of Shutdown Line there. They, they were talking about mm-hmm. the Kings and how they're a, such a high volume shooting team. Um, and not particularly from the high slot. They do, you know, they get they get action at the net, but yeah. it seems like they don't have a lot of pure finishers. Like, Diala is another guy who's a volume shooter,
0: mm-hmm. and so
3: you look at a lot of their underlying numbers, and it's like, the Kings, the Kings, watch out for the Kings. You know, this team's so great. But you know, when you don't have the pure finishers, it's different. It's the hardest thing to do in the NHL is score. Like, shooting it into the net is a really unique rare ability uh, that some people just have and others do not. And so, as much as you want to gain the stats and get all these uh, guys who are volume shooters, and eventually you get the luck, you don't always get it. So the Kings are volatile to me, and I think that's you know a worthwhile team to for this discussion because could be good, could be bad. We'll see how the balances go for them this year. But you, know, one thing's for sure, I think they're going to create a lot of looks, and we'll just see if they go in or not.
0: How much more are we moving to uh, the quality shot over quantity? Um, it, it feels like that's it's still sort of happening maybe it's it's leaned over we want more and more quality but you know are we going to get to a point where coaches are like hey if we take this shot it's got an 18 percent chance of going in rather than this shot which is like a three percent chance of going in
3: well the funniest thing about you know stats and where they've taken us is they've taken us to something that i think a lot of old school people know and thought without ever sort of having the verification of the numbers the problem is it's not easy to do. You know, what goes in the most? Well, mm-hmm. a shot off a pass that's created through the center of the ice. And it's like, Oh, all you have to do is make a pass through the <laughs> slot cross seam, and get a yeah. shot. Like, yeah. no kidding. What do you think we've been trying to do? You know? So yeah. It's, It's really helpful to have the analytics to confirm that, but yeah, it's like the knowing where to shoot from and where to, you know, what to make happen is one thing. Uh, The defense knows what you're trying to do too, and they're trying to stop it. So that remains the challenge. And you know, that's
1: why my question really turns, my biggest question ends up being, is your starting point on offense the most important thing as opposed to what you're trying to accomplish? Because, Depending on the players that you have, like are you trying to go low high high low? Are you trying to work behind the net? You know, are are you allowing uh, guys to overload? I I think based and it's easy to say, hey, do this or do that, but a lot of it is really tied to the personnel that you have. But to me, the starting point that you allow your players to be at is probably the. Best way to approach that? I mean, and in the way, one way I can think of it, and I've made the example is in Vancouver before the coaching change, a lot of their offense was running through their points and they weren't playing down low very much. But as soon as they made that switch and went down low a lot more, their high danger scoring chances went up. They started creating more cross-seam passes before shots. And to me, that was the biggest indicator for creating those chances. Not create that chance, but what's your starting point to get there?
3: Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's just so important to have versatility and to be able to change because. You know, if you're any one thing, you're game planable against, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I think, you know, looking at how, again, I referenced the local team here in the Leafs and their power play for, you know, they were first in the NHL last year and they, in the postseason, they're 13 or 14%. That's three straight years where they've taken about a 10% dive in the postseason. And it's because they've been good, but fairly predictable, right? They're trying to work it over to Matthews. They'd like the cross team to Matthews and Marner if you don't have other ways to play, you're in trouble. And so, yeah, I totally think that giving your offense, good guidance, and you know, do you want to be a low to high team or a net front team or a behind the net team, whatever it is you want to be is is crucial, but you can't, you can't just be one thing. And so you put the guys in a position to succeed and give them a game plan at the end of the day, you know, it comes down to inches and moves and fakes and hockey is so much just up to the talent you have. So a coach can only do so much with a roster.
0: Hey, Bourne, uh, we appreciate the time as always. Uh, we'll be talking a lot this hockey season, I think.
3: All right, guys. Good to catch up. We'll chat again soon.
0: Uh, there is uh, Justin Bourne, one of our favorites here on uh, on Canuck Central.
1: Yeah, great insight as always. And, you know, the Kings, that's interesting about the Kings, you know, and, and that was my biggest question when they made the Fiala edition. A guy who scores goals, but he's a high-volume sh- shooter to get those goals, and the Kings are a high-volume team that scores goals that's not really addressing your problem. You know, you're adding a player that can score, of course, but he's not making you necessarily far more prolific and and efficient in the goal scoring. And that can have its, you know, problems as time goes on. Now, the thing about the Kings, which is super exciting, is they have so many young, talented players. And yeah. one or two pop next year or take a step, and this conversation is moot, and they're going to take a big leap forward. But it's also not linear with those young guys. And even a guy like Philip Deneau, he scored 27 goals this year. He never hit 20 before. What was his career high, like 14, 15? Yeah. He's probably not going to score 27 <laughs> goals again next season.
0: Well, you could say that about everybody who hit career highs last year. It seems yeah. like every player in the league uh, got either close to or above their career highs with the added scoring in the, in the NHL. But the the problem is, like, it's it's not easy to find that Arthur Kaliev mm-hmm. or, or they're hoping it becomes that sort of sniper finisher type uh, it's not easy to find the the snipers and finishers uh, of the league uh, there's a reason why you know guys like Matthews and line a, you know that the the players that can score from pretty far out there's just there's not yeah. too many of them in the league sat that no. can, like guys that can score from distance consistently in the NHL like there's just there there's a handful of them there's not yeah. many.
1: Well, and there, there are guys that do it better than others, and then there's kind of the mid-range guys. I think the biggest issue with that Kings team is they just don't have a ton of players that are just straight-up goal scorers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even if they're not the highest highest elite level of them. I mean, Kemp is a nice player. Um but he's kind of always around that 20 goal range. I have follows a nice player, but he's kind of, he's, he's a Pearson type of player, you know, in terms of yeah. his scoring and shooting. So he's going to be hot sometimes, but generally 15 to 20 goals. They need somebody else outside of Fiala to be a 30 type goal scorer for them. You know, they can do it consistently. And Arvidsson, I'm not sure he still has it in his game or not. But to me, that's the biggest thing. I'm not sure you're going to be able to replicate this past year unless you have a couple of guys who can do that.
0: It's uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. We are Canucks Central. Coming up, our number two of. The program. You'll hear from Quinn Hughes, who is a guest on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. We have a little sneak preview of that conversation coming up next here on Sportsnet 650.